We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got a chance today to show who we are in front of the world. Looking deep has a man wide open. Touchdown. Touchdown for Jacksonville. Touchdown, Jacks. You're listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. Alright guys, welcome to another edition of Down by the Bank. I'm Derek, obviously, and we got JK3 here, but we also have uh, another special guest as we go through these playoffs. Uh, We've got BJ Kissel from the KC Sports Network. Uh, BJ, uh, thanks for uh, being on the show and thanks for partnering up with us. No, of course, man. I'm excited to talk with you guys. We spent so much time talking to like our pe- like the people that we know, the people that we always talk to. It's nice to get a different perspective and and to chat with uh, with people who obviously follow you know the opponent as close as you guys do. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, no, that's cool. And, and same here. We uh, you know as we record our episodes, usually JK3 and I will start going back and forth a little bit. Sometimes good, sometimes we really get into it. So. Uh, it's good to change it up too, but, um, no, let's go. You know, the chiefs, you know, we don't need to say who they are and what they have. (laughs) Everybody knows that. So, um, you know, tell us, you know, what's the vibe around, uh, the the city, the the team, you know, people expecting, oh, they're just going to roll over Jacksonville or do they remember, Hey, you know, it's the playoffs. Anything goes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting mix. I'm sure it's the same with every fan base that you've got the the diehard like we're just going to support them. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We're going to go out there and take care of business because uh, we're the better team, and that's just how they feel about it. And honestly, like I was kind of going into that, and then I had a conversation with Brett Coleman today. If you guys are familiar with Brett, does a lot of X's and O's stuff on YouTube, and he just threw like a wet blanket all over my excitement for this game, and just feeling like, hey, we're feeling good. And he was bringing up. You know, a lot of the the technical schematic things that he saw in the last matchup that uh, that Doug Peterson and um, those guys had dialed up the right plays at the right time. It's just Chris, Chris Jones was out of his mind uh, with the stuff that he was doing up front. So there's locally, there's a lot of eyes on Chris Jones uh, to be the dominant player that we've seen him be throughout this regular season, probably the best year of his career. 
uh, tying with 15 and a half sacks for the most, but doesn't have a career postseason sack, which is really surprising uh, Mm because I don't think anybody um, outside of the Cincy game last year that there were a couple times that he was right there to make a play and didn't. Um, But I think the pass rush uh, is something that I think has been kind of the story for at least Chiefs defensively. that if they can play like they did back in the Week 10 game, we're going to feel good about it. We're always going to feel pretty good about the offense with Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. They're going to be able to score points. Uh, it's just a matter of can they slow down uh, the Jags offense and Doug Peterson, who I don't want to say you guys are playing with house money. You guys tell me that, but we saw the last time they faced starts with an onside kick. Like I, I said all week, like I expect the fourth down call sheet for Steve Spagnuolo to have a few extra plays on it this week because there is no reason to try field goals for for Doug Peterson and the Jags. Like there is nothing to hold them back from going out and playing loose and just having some fun, which is kind of a scary thing on the Chiefs side that there's not a lot of pressure. You wouldn't think. Um, but it's going to be a rowdy environment. Weather could be a thing. Looks like it's going to be sleeting, if not snowing, uh, during this game. And so that's going to bring in another variable. But yeah, I think locally everybody feels how they do about the offense and defensively. It's just can Chris, can Karloftis, can these guys up front get after Trevor Lawrence and, and this offense try to disrupt their timing a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think going back to that game, and I think we'll probably bounce around a little bit, but I mean, 27 17, um, I think that it definitely was further in the Chiefs' favor than the score tells us. You know, there was a couple of things or a couple, several things that, you know, the Jags did as far as, you know, turning over the, uh, you know, turning over the ball three times. I think Pacheco dropped it on the ground once or twice. uh, And then Mahomes had an interception, but we weren't able to capitalize on that. So as far as, you know, the the offense goes, we know that it runs through um, Mahomes. We know that it runs through Kelsey. Um, And scheming wise, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, will be some of the factors that the Chiefs will have to build around that offense because they can't be, you know, continue on this Kelsey Mahomes. You know, eventually there'll be enough things yeah. that where somebody can figure it out. Where do you think they get different, you know, this weekend? I was hoping that we'd see McCole Hardman back. I think everybody locally kind of expected him to be back. He hasn't played since week nine, didn't mm-hmm. play in that first matchup. And it was trending towards him being able to be last in the last game before the bye week in that week 18 against week 18 game against the Raiders and then kind of had a setback with, they call it a pelvic, like a pelvis injury or pelvic injury. Like, I don't know if it's a sports hernia. They haven't really, uh, at least I haven't seen them really get into what the injury was, but hasn't practiced this week, which is not a great sign. They have one more day. And typically if you're not even like a limited participant with Andy Reid, like you're not going to play. So I'd say it's a stretch right now for him to be out there. And the Chiefs really needed that for a stretch. I know Kadarius Tony came over and they've mixed him in, but mm-hmm. Andy Reid is so good with not just stretching teams vertically, but he's always been about stretching teams horizontally. They do a mm-hmm. lot of jet sweep, a lot of ghost action, a lot of things too, even if it's just to slow down those edge rushers for a half second. If you can't always stop them, if right. Lee could just make them think or slow them down a little bit. And I feel like for a huge part of the, probably the last third of the regular season for the Chiefs, they didn't have a lot of that in their offense. Kadarius Tony was banged up there for a little bit when he got back. McCole Hardman wasn't out there. They tried to run Sky Moore, their rookie mm-hmm. um, wide receiver with some of those. He's a good player, but doesn't have the same athletic burst that right. threatens with some of those plays. So going into this game, if they can get the Jags thinking horizontally with some of that stuff, and they had success in the first game. You guys mentioned it. I mean, they had almost 500 yards of total offense. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball around a little bit, got a lot of different guys involved, rushing the ball. They got it going a little bit. But as if they can pick up some 
easier yards. That's kind of been the story uh, with Tyree Kill not being there. Not just the big chunk plays that he would get down the field, but there were a lot of times where they would just throw him like a quick pass, like just not even a screen, just give him the ball because there was so much cushion that he could get six, seven yards with nobody having to block any, but just a one-on-one play to the outside because he was so athletic. And those yards, they weren't as easy this year to pick up um, for a lot of those plays. So a lot of the jet sweep, that horizontal motion, I expect to be utilized here, um, especially Mm -hmm. against an aggressive defense, the fire zone, the stuff that you guys like to do, sending extra guys. Andy Reid will do a lot of things, getting guys moving horizontally, a lot of pre-snap motion, getting guys at least trying to trying to uh, change their eyes a little bit uh, yeah. to get those. So I, I expect some of that, especially when you get into the red zone. He's going to get really creative. There's going to be guys all over the place, but it's not like your coach isn't familiar <laughs> with the stuff right. that he likes to do yeah. either. Like he didn't so come from the, like he didn't come from the same coaching tree or anything. Um, you, you I saw your fourth them- down. The fourth down play last week against the Chargers, and I'm like, I love Doug Peterson. So much. <laughs> I, I was around him for a few years, so I was the team reporter for the Chiefs for several years, and Doug Peterson was there. He was one of the best coaches to help me uh, before we started recording, talking about some of the X's and O's and the schematic things. Every Thursday when he would speak, he'd come off to the side, and I'd ask him, like, what's happening on this play? And sometimes coaches are very, like, even to somebody that works for them, doesn't want right. to give information because they just don't want this stuff out. But Doug was just like, all right, here's what's going on. And he just explained it to me in a way that made sense for somebody that didn't speak the language like he did. Like, right. I feel like I could follow along as he explained it. But Doug was awesome. Loved to see the success he's had, especially as he turned it around. Definitely should be coach of the year. Definitely a finalist in that conversation. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see all the trick plays and fake punts and all kinds of crazy things that we could see in this game. Yeah, uh, I, the, I, yeah, I think that the, the punters, I think they take the day off this game because, I mean, fourth and, <laughs> fourth and, fourth and four, fourth and five, we're going for two-point conversions. You're going to see it all, you know, out of this game. Um, one of the things that I you made a really good point about, you know, getting the teams lateral and with this young defense that the Jaguars have, um, you know, especially Trayvon Walker, you know, coming on one side. Uh, you know, you got Josh Allen, who is still, you know, pretty young in his career, but, you know, um, I would consider him there. And as far as the linebacking court, probably one of the youngest as far as, you know, having Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, um, and then uh, Aluakon, who's the Mike uh, linebacker. You know, he's seen it all. But as far as like, you know, I think the point that I'm, that I'm getting to is the Chiefs offensive line. I don't think the, I think they're the more unsung heroes of this offense because of the style that Mahomes plays uh, and then also the amount of time that he can actually generate and they can still create blocks without holding. So where do you see any of, if there is any, as far as advantages right there on the offensive line, you know, in the trenches, is this a game that the Jags got to really try to take control to slow some of that misdirection and things down? I think so. It's a tough thing. And we, it's kind of a, an enigma because we talked about this all week. I do a weekly show called KCS and update and I have a different guest on with me each day. And every Friday I have uh, Trevor Sikama from pro football focus Mm -hmm. comes on with me and we'd always bring up these stats and the strength of the chiefs offensive line of the three interior guys, Joe Tooney at left guard, Creed Humphrey at center. It's one of the best young centers in football. And then Trey Smith, the right guard is like the physical kind of tone setter. He's the one cleaning things up on the back end. You see screens down, down the field. Like he's the one 65 is going to be head, like going after some of the little guys. The road grader. (laughs) Yeah, He's the guy looking for, uh, you're putting a highlight reel together of the biggest hits by the chiefs. offensive line. Trey Smith's gonna be like 80% of them. Uh, that's what he's about where they've struggled at different points of the two tackles. 
And so Andrew Wiley is, has been a great player for the Chiefs. He's kind of that, for a while, he was that sixth offensive line guy that could play every spot along the line. Very versatile, kind of settled in at right tackle. He's given up a lot of pressures this year. Um, he hasn't had the easiest road. I mean, he's facing Max Crosby, Khalil Mack, uh, Randy Gregory when he was with the uh, with the Broncos, like every week he was facing a different guy when they played bills earlier. It was Vaughn Miller uh, that was beating him. So he's getting beaten by like obviously dudes, but um, yeah. And Orlando Brown on the other side, good player played a lot better. The second half of the year, there were some reports by some of the beat writers saying that the first half of the year, he was pretty banged up dealing with the knee injury. Uh, And some of some of the speed rushers could get around the edge on him. But the crazy thing is like the first half of the season, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, he was one of the top five most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. But his sack rate was among the five least because you could get pressure on him, but he'd just run around. Patrick right. Mahomes' ability to manipulate and move around the pocket and just kind of scramble and have that those eyes in the back of his head and all those things, he is very good at getting around pressure and then giving himself another two or three seconds for guys to get open down the field. So if you blitz, if you send extra guys, or if even you just straight beat the tackles or these guys, it doesn't necessarily mean success. It just means your defensive backs are going to have to cover because if they don't get into the ground or keep them in the pocket, he's very good at extending plays. Uh, Most of the highlights you see of him, a lot of them are him scrambling in and around the plays. There are times in which if he starts getting hit a little bit, you'll see him start drifting back in the pocket. And all of a sudden he's hitting 14, 15 yards deep. And those edge rushers are running in a straight line at him. And then that's when Chiefs fans, and we're all having the debate of offensive lines getting beat. And then all of us that are watching it, like the offensive line is getting beat. He's 15 yards deep. And he didn't even have to, edge guy didn't even have to bend the edge. He's just running at a straight line towards him. And so if you see him start drifting back, that's when the Chiefs offense sometimes will start to get in trouble. If he's hanging in the pocket or stepping up and moving to the left or moving to the right, he's in a pretty good feel right there. But um, the one of the things that, and, and being around him and just hearing him talk about Patrick Mahomes' biggest thing every single week and what he prides himself on is their blitz pickup and their protection schemes. That is all that he cares about. You don't see a lot of free rushers coming at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense because they spend so much time on it. But in talking with Brett Coleman earlier today, there's not a team that schemes up their defensive looks better than the Jaguars in getting free rushers. I think he said they're averaging like one and a half free rushers a game with the fire zone stuff that you guys do. And so it's definitely going to be that kind of chess match and that game within the game to pay attention to. You know, BJ, um, one of the things that Mike Caldwell DC likes to do is he likes to bring pressure from the nickel and and bring Rayshon down in the box. Um, The Jags have won a few games that way. Uh, And you've mentioned that the strength of the Chiefs offensive line is the interior, but the outside guys and Pacheco, he's young. He's got a chip. He's got a block. He's got to do something. Like where, where you, where do you think uh, the Chiefs? How they're going to be able to handle that? How is Patrick Mahomes going to be able to handle that? And um, obviously he can, but playoffs things happen. So yeah, the first thing that Eric Bieniemy always used to say about young running backs uh, when it comes to pass pros, they have to be willing. They have to be willing to stick their nose in there and take on a guy's bigger than they are uh, in a defensive position. And Isaiah Pacheco is willing to do it. Um, he has gotten beat a few times in some situations, and they will chip those guys coming out of the backfield as opposed to just locking them in and and them sit there uh, and bring on, take on a blitzing linebacker in that kind of way. But they use a lot of tight ends too. And that whether it's Jody Fortson, we'll see if he gets activated before this game. He's been out for a little while. Uh, but Noah Gray, Blake Bell, 
uh, has come back. He's been out for a, a chunk of this season. They love to use multiple tight ends. And if there's, they can't slow things down by the horizontal, some of that jet action or jet sweep stuff that we were talking about earlier to slow down the edges. He'll start, he'll chip guys out before he'll send them um, out into their routes. But, you know, we've joked in Kansas City that you just don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Even look at the last game, um, the Jags only blitzed Patrick Mahomes twice. He was two for two for 31 yards on the two plays. Um, he's got blitzed a little bit more this year than he had in the past, but even in the past, like the numbers were like video game type numbers if you yeah. blitzed Patrick Mahomes because, again, he never got enough credit uh, for how smart he is at playing that position. And there's you know videos of him being mic'd up that the Chiefs have put out of him calling coverages uh, from like two years earlier, the team just ran. He goes, they haven't ran that. I'll never forget. It was against the Broncos in the snow game. He was running down the field and he was yelling out to, I think it was Creed. And he was like, they haven't run that since week three of last year and third down. Like he calls out the entire situation from more than a year earlier is the last time they ran that look. And so um, I think that if you're going to disrupt Patrick, if you can do it with four, I mean, that's not, in-depth football knowledge it's the kind of the right. same thing with it but if you can get pressure with four guys you're going to be in a good spot but if you're trying to rattle Patrick Holmes and send extra guys you're doing him a favor because he can read a defense he'll get rid of it quickly if you can confuse him a little bit and take away and give him some different looks and trick him you can get away with that and then if he starts drifting obviously that becomes where the Chiefs offense starts to struggle um but yeah Pacheco has given up a few um Jarek McKinnon is just a threat out of the backfield so even if he has the chips, slips out there, becomes a little outlet. Um, Jarek McKinnon has had as much to do with the Chiefs earning the one seed and winning some of those games down the stretch uh, where they weren't playing very good football and they were kind of playing down to their opponent for a lot of it. Jarek McKinnon was the guy who stepped up and made some plays. You know, and and, and Jack fans, hey, you heard, you, you heard BJ say, don't blitz him. I kind of brought that up because, I, I, you know, I figured that, hey, not really wise to toy with him. No, please, um, so you, please blitz you, them all. You know, just keep blitzing if you, them. If you wonder why, if if you start yelling at the television or, or those of us going to the game, if you wonder why Ray, Sean, and Cisco aren't coming down, that is why BJ just said why they're doing it. So, um, no, I, I I can't wait for the chess match. You know, I, I've said in the recent weeks that you know our our defensive end and defensive line they went on a vacation during the middle of the season, and then whatever for the last quarter of the season they decided to wake up. Um, this, hey guys, this is going to be a ski trip. Okay. But not a real ski trip, not a vacation. <laughs> okay. Don't go on a vacation against, uh, Mr. Mahomes cause he will, uh, make you pay. So you, you mentioned, uh, really quick, Derek, you mentioned the name that I wanted to bring up with BJ, uh, Andre Cisco. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, you know, the last time we played, uh, you know, he had some hits, some, some mm-hmm. quite one questionable, you know, one took Juju out. Um, yeah. you know, as well. So is this more of a Andre Cisco bulletin board material type game for the Chiefs? Um, because it seems like after those couple of hits, th- that really aggravated the Chiefs and they really cranked it up and said, Okay, let's let's take this game to another level. So um, you know, what's the you know, what's the, the theme around that? And is uh is it is there any bulletin board material around that? I brought it up earlier this week because I was really curious what the the feedback was going to be for him. Like the first time his name gets called. And I asked Nate Taylor this on Tuesday. Uh, Nate Taylor covers the chiefs for the athletic here. And I talked with him on KCSN update on Tuesdays and asked him if he thought, if I, I asked Nate, if he thought chiefs fans would remember the first time Cisco's name gets called, if they'd say something and he wasn't sure if there'd be like any kind of audible thing, but the guys on the field will probably remember and we'll be able to see, and it'll probably start with Kelsey um, or somebody who's going to be around him a little bit to say something. 
I'm as interested. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. how that's going to play out if they remember something like that. And I kind of had a different take because we did a we were doing a second screen watch party, so we were live when this stuff was happening, right? Um, at KC Sports Network, and I remember looking at Ken Swanson, one of our co-hosts, and saying that the second one bothered me. The one to MVS bothered me more than the one on Juju because right. there are times and like I've been down on the sideline for the games. People who've covered the game who've been down there understand how difficult it is to abide by some of the rules the way the NFL yeah. is doing. I understand why the NFL is doing it, but if you're running an over route and a safety is sitting on the backside and he just happens to be right there, right where you're making the catch, there's not a lot they can do. And if they go low, you're blowing out a knee. Right. And so like, there's a really difficult play. And I thought the juju one was kind of in that. It's just the, the route the the positioning of the defensive bang, bang back play. when it was a bang bang the ball was led in front of him that was a bang bang play the yeah. one on G- MVS where he kind of launched his body and led with his head at a player who was up in the air that yeah. one was like he that intent to me seemed like it could have been throttled down a little bit compared mm-hmm. to the juju one just because of the timing and it's easy when you watch it in slow motion and we still were arguing whether he led with his head or his shoulder and the juju one was just. I don't say it's football because you don't want those kind of hits in there, but I didn't see a dirty play necessarily. The second one, because it was right after that, we were already kind of thinking it. The second one for me personally kind of bothered me more, but I think I was in the minority uh, in that conversation because everybody was talking about Juju because it took him out for a little while. uh, And that kind of affected his season a little bit. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, just because, you know, of the game and, you know, the magnitude and obviously Juju is playing in this one as well. So, you know, seeing what kind of trends and things like that, that may, you know, kind of pick up, you know, and and kind of transition over into this game, since this one definitely has a little bit more weight on, you know, what we what we saw in week 10, uh, you know, I believe within that, Um, you know, switching over really quick to the offense. So Jags offense, Chiefs defense. Obviously, right now, the hot, you know, topic, uh, you know, within, um, you know, within Jacksonville, within the world, besides Trevor going to to, to Waffle House, um, you know, to celebrate that that historic comeback win. That was awesome. But, by yeah. The way. It, was it, awesome. I mean, it's Jacksonville. Right? That, that's that, that's <laughs> us. That's us, man. But as far as, you know, the the offense, you know, what type of matchups can we really see? Evan Ingram has starting to come on. Uh, you know, and been a really good, you know, offensive weapon along with, you know, your Christian Kirks, your Zay Jones uh, and your ETNs. So as far as from a defensive side of the ball, obviously staying away from 95, everyone knows who that is. (laughs) So staying away from 95, what can the Jags do, you know, to to really combat that Red Sea, that crowd there in Arrowhead and really try to make this a productive, you know, offensive, uh, you know, showcase? Yeah, I think at least for me personally watching the game and I've said this throughout the week and it was not trying to be a knock on Trevor Lawrence because a good young quarterback. I came away more impressed with the skill guys. I came away more impressed from that Chargers game with Evan Ingram's ability to run away from defensive back. I was Googling Evan Evan Ingram's contract after that play. Like, (laughs) when is this guy going to be a free agent? He just made some money in that game uh, because there are a lot of offensive coordinators watching a tight end run away from DBs saying, I can find a a role for that in our offense. But uh, Christian Kirk, I mean, we saw it in the first game. Um, you know, for a player that, you know, his contract when he signed, it was kind of used as like a punching bag, like kind of, you know, making fun of like the contract that he got. And then for him to come out and play the way that it has, has been impressive. Uh, and his yards after the catch, his ability with the ball in his hands. Um, that's the stuff that worries me because our, our, the two safeties for the chiefs, uh, Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, 
they probably had their best game of the season in week 18 against the Raiders. But for a huge part of the season, they've struggled a little bit, whether it's tackling, whether it's just instincts, just being a, a click off here or there. Right. And so their ability to come up and tackle and not let Ingram or Zay Jones or um, Christian Kirk get those yards after the catch. That's where the Chiefs could get into some trouble if those DBs aren't tackling well, because we've seen that during the season. Mm-hmm. And then the other matchup that is probably the same for a lot of teams um, except for your guy. And by the way, um, Olakun, I say his name yeah. wrong all the time. I, I kept yeah. talking about it because I had a bet with my DraftKings for, it was going to win like $1,000 for Nick Bolton to lead the league in tackles. Yeah. And going into week 18, the fourth quarter, my guy, Nick Bolton, was up by four. And then Olakun had like seven tackles on the final drive. I was watching the game and 23 was absolutely everywhere. Yeah. I was getting so angry. I'm like, can he not just take a break and just go off to the side and let me pocket this money? But anyway, <laughs> um, if you can get ETN matched up on Nick Bolton, that's what a chief struggle. Nick Bolton is a solid tackler. If he gets his hands on you, you're going to be tackled. Right. He's not the best in space, not the best in coverage. And so some of those shorter angle routes, those Texas routes out of the backfield, if you can get the right look, the Chiefs have had struggle, like will struggle with that at the second level. I don't expect every linebacker to be Fred Warner, where they can just cover everybody or Matt Milano and do everything. But if you're looking for schematic things to do, that was it. And then after talking with Brett Coleman, and it's his analysis, not mine, I'm just parroting what he told me that Doug Peterson had a lot of cover two, and the Chiefs are in a lot of cover two, had a lot of cover two beaters dialed up perfectly. It's just Chris Jones absolutely wrecked the play and didn't give it time, but the right play call was there, and the play was there. It's just not quite on time. And sure. so they got to figure out. Legereus Sneed needs to have a better game than he did in Week 10. That was probably his worst game of the season where Christian Kirk beat him on a handful of plays. Mm-hmm. I think both of his touchdowns uh, were on Legereus Sneed, who's a great young player for the Chiefs. So... A um, little worried after talking with Brett about that, but if Chris Jones can get after it up front, we've seen Frank Clark got groin injury in the last week. He's been limited at practice. We'll see what kind of burst he's got. Um, but yeah, like like always comes down to getting you know pressure on the opposing quarterback. But yeah, if they can get uh, matched up on a linebacker with ETN, they're going to be in a good spot. And another gadget player that you know doesn't really get well. He, I, I think that Doug Peterson has you know um, some packages, some things like that for him. But Jamal Agnew, uh, you know, we see a lot of the his contributions in the special teams. Um, you know, realm. Um, you know, he's almost been. There's been several kicks where he's almost taken back. But um, from the offensive side, you know, we've gotten him in some space and things like that. Contrary to what you mentioned earlier about, you know, the Chiefs being able to laterally slow some teams down and things like that. Um, yeah. How how are they, you know, laterally with defense and then maybe scheming from, you know, from from uh, from a from a player perspective? Have you seen maybe adjustments? Have you seen them maybe put in second half maybe or second quarter adjustments for a gadget player that they may not have schemed or seen film on? I don't know if I've seen the adjustments. I haven't seen a ton of those kinds of plays and the chiefs roll out. I mean, Legereus needs still a young player. He's on his rookie deal. I think he's his third year in the league. So he's in, mm-hmm. in line to get paid. Uh, but the chiefs run three, cor- three rookie cornerbacks out there. There's seven rookies for the chiefs who play considerable wow. snaps for their defense. Um, you know, we've got a Joseph Hefner is his name. He's a sports data um, analyst guy um, does all the, the numbers and all that crazy stuff. And he tabulated all the rookie snaps uh, this year and the chiefs, had the seventh most snaps played by rookies in wow. the regular season. And for a team that 
kind of rebuilt through the draft on that side. We saw a similar thing a couple of years ago with the offensive line, mm-hmm. completely revamped it. Yeah. They did the same thing with the defense. And Jalen Watson, uh, Trent McDuffie, um, Josh Williams, those are three names. And those young guys can tackle. They are not afraid to come up and make a play. So some of the gadget stuff when you get out in space, we've seen it, especially with Jalen Watson and Josh Williams. Uh, I think it was a fourth round pick. Like he will come up. He's a big, long, physical corner. Tackling is their number one thing. They can come up and make a play. So some of that stuff where you get a guy in space and you try to make make a big play, haven't seen as much of that because these young DBs can really get up there and tackle. Gotcha. Get into like roster composition stuff. Chiefs nailed an edge rusher at rookie. George Karloftis has been great. And then three rookie corners all playing considerable snaps. When you think about free agency down the road, you don't have to spend money on a pass rusher or a cornerback because you've got guys on rookie deals. Chiefs are in a really good spot, but you'll see 23 for the Chiefs. They do a lot of that outside stuff. Josh Williams, he'll come up and make a tackle, and it he's pretty good at it. Awesome. You know, one of the things that Jack struggled with last week in the first half, I felt like, was fighting for the ball, fighting for position. Mm-hmm. The Chargers were running a really tight cover two. Um, I mean, they were tight. Any coverage they ran, they basically were tight, really trying to squeeze down those lanes and make the receivers feel uncomfortable. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the young DBs that the Chiefs have. Now, that's more appealing to me, but it's, I'm also worried that, hey, guys, if we're not going to fight for the ball, then what are we here for? You know, um, well, like have those young, have those young DBs of the Chiefs have, have they shown that grit, that tough that you know because playoffs, like I said, it's a different animal. So yeah. you know, and we know the refs aren't going to throw the flag that much, so or they may throw it. <laughs> yeah, it so. and for a while there, it it felt like at least early in the year, every time there was a fifty fifty ball down the field that wasn't caught, there was a flag thrown on the Chiefs DBs. They get kind of handsy, they can get physical down there. Haven't taken a lot of balls away. There's not a lot of turnovers. It's probably the one knock on Trent McDuffie. He's been phenomenal, but compared to Pat Sertan and Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, who are in the division, those guys will get their hands on the football as young cornerbacks that probably get a lot more pub. People are talking about him because they take the ball away. Uh, but Trent McDuffie's been great. They're not afraid of the moment. I think there was a, I don't know what the final numbers are, but towards the end of the regular season, PFF put out a stat that was like, uh, it was defensive backs, fewest or least amount of space given up, like uh, as far as um, you know how, how tight their coverage is. And both Trent McDuffie and Josh Williams were in like the top 15 in the NFL in least amount of separation given up to receivers when running down the field. So they're right there. They're physical. Wouldn't say they get their hands on a lot of footballs. Um, and then when it comes to the safeties, Thornhill, Justin Reed, especially Thornhill has gotten a little handsy. He's had a lot of uh, pass interference calls for a DB on him. But one of my favorite players in the draft, one of my favorite dudes that I've been around. So I am a Juan Thornhill fan. I want him to come out and play well. Uh, I want him to get paid. I want him to play well in the playoffs and go get his money. Um, but those guys will get there early. Uh, they There have been a lot of flags thrown on the, the defensive backs, which leads to Chiefs fans. Um, one of the biggest celebrations of Chiefs fans that Carl Cheffers was not refing this game. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, like they're tired of that dude. They're tired of that dude roughing uh, their game. So it might get him for the AFC Championship if they win. Uh, but they're excited that it's. I think it's Hockley in this. One. I think Sean Hockley's got this game. Oh man, the Hockley family. You know, you mentioned Evan Ingram and his uh, contract situation. I, I just want to know off the record, on the record. Um, I have no idea what that situation is, but I hope and pray 
that the Jags have that locked up already, maybe in a nice verbal discussion, because um, I could see this, you know, last game, obviously, and this game really being, you know, he wants to get paid and he bet on himself. And, you know, he's really showing it. Um, And I feel like this is one of those games here where he could make things happen, especially for our young quarterback that, you know, obviously he's not shown the, you know, the the propensity to get rattled. uh, But at the same time, when you have someone, him and Marvin Jones can Mm -hmm. really lean on him. That's, you know, if you look at it last game, that's who he really started throwing to to get him going before he got going again. So those vets, he's going to lean on them. And uh, man, I don't. I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go up there and 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 take it to them and, and beat them. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do a score prediction, but <laughs> I will say that we're gritty, and a gritty team is always a concern. Um, whereas the Chiefs, you guys, you know, like I said, you don't need to explain who you are. Um, but the Jacksonville, we're, yeah. we're just gritty, man, and we love it. You may have to clarify for the younger listeners, like that we're a team of grit and not actual gritty, because oh, yeah. you know they, you know they know yeah. that they're they're <laughs> yeah. thinking yeah. of the dance. So they're, they're, there's yeah. no way there. You got to go back to you know where we are right now. So a team uh, with yeah. grit <laughs> and not the expensive brunch dish that you get, like you know, so yeah. three different yeah. types of grits that we're talking yeah. about right now. Oh That's man, funny. yeah, no, I think. I think fans that are, uh, I think in general, Chiefs fans are probably not taking this seriously, but the fans that, that at least that we interact with on our network that really pay attention to stuff understand that eight and a half points is too many uh, for what Jacksonville has shown and for um, you know, what this game could become. I think if the Chiefs come out, and there are times where we've seen it a couple times this year, we saw it against the Niners and we saw it against the Bucks when the Bucks were playing well earlier in the year that the offense just came out and they were on fire. The game against 49ers is probably the best game the Chiefs have played all year. And when they get in their zone, there's nobody that's going to stop what they're doing. But if you can get them out of rhythm a little bit, and they'll, they'll go down, especially early in the game, their first 15 are always good. They'll go down, get a field goal, get a touchdown early. Where they start to slow down is the second, third quarter. They'll come out and just have two or three drives that are three and outs. And you're just like, what are they doing? And that's the opportunity. Like You've got to make plays in that moment and make them um, – I would say one dimensional, but Andy Reid will abandon the run and he will just throw the ball the entire time, regardless of whether or not you have an advantage or have numbers in the box, whatever it is, he will just throw the football, which uh, we argue locally about all the time about you have Patrick Mahomes, you should throw the football and their times like just run the damn ball. Hey, um, hey, hey. We know that too, yeah. because teacher versus student here, student does that a lot too. Uh, he mm-hmm. did that a lot early in the season where he would just be like, abandon ship on the running game. We're going to chuck it all over the field. Uh, but, man, real quick, um, and this is kind of, you, you know, I, I just thought of this just because of the way the game went last week, and you probably don't get this question that much. All right. The kicking game. Mm. The Chiefs. How's, how, how's, how's your field goal kicker? It was one of the top storylines after week 18 that he made like all four of his extra points and his field goal. And for Harrison Butker, and who's one of the best kickers in the AFC, like he is a very good kicker, but they have struggled uh, a lot this year to where like we are all holding our breath on every extra point, on every field goal. I don't expect him to go through the playoffs and not miss a couple of kicks that are pretty easy. Now there have been, there's a lot of conversation and dialogue about whose fault it is here locally. 
um, as Dustin Colquitt, legendary punter, spent 15, 16 years with the Chiefs, came out and said, kind of critically of the holder, Tommy Townsend, who's the Chiefs punter, but like his holds are, the laces aren't where they're supposed to be. He's moving it compared to off his spot. And when you go back and everybody's paying attention and like overanalyzed holding more than probably any oh fan base God. in the history of the game, <laughs> but you can see it. Like you can see this, the seams off to one side and you can see like the ball, like he has his finger down, like, you know, when the ball comes and then he moves it and then the ball's placed, it's four at five inches off where his finger was. And so Harrison Bucker never, never came out and said anything publicly, but D- Dustin Colquitt and James Winchester, James Winchester is the long snapper. Like they all worked together for years and they were all really good friends. So when Dustin came out and said like, Hey, the holds have been killing Harrison Butker all year. And locally we had been tearing Harrison Butker apart saying like, what is his deal? Like we know he had an ankle injury earlier in the year that people are saying was lingering, but like, how can a guy who's as good as he is and he is still very good miss so many kicks and then it all went on the holder. And then he came out and said, we don't pay attention to people on the outside who don't know what they're talking about. And then it was like, you're talking about Dustin Colquitt. Like you're talking about one of the best special teams players and one of like the most beloved people in Kansas city. Like he is a Kansas city person. And so, um, it has been a thing. And I will tell you that if he misses a kick, all chiefs fans are going to be saying, I knew it. And if you would ask Chiefs fans right now, what's going to hold them back from winning a Super Bowl, they will tell you it's the special teams in the kicking game. Hmm. Without a doubt. Eight out of ten will tell you it's because a close game they're going to lose because they're going to miss a couple kicks. There's our opportunity. There it is right there. So, uh, again, we've got BJ with the KC Sports Network. You know, appreciate your time. Um, So, general thought around here in Jacksonville, man, a lot of folks are on that 615, 640 flight to uh to KC, you know, coming out of Jack. So, you know, I I think, you know, there there's going to be more teal uh you know at the stadium uh you know there in Arrowhead than uh than than you guys are, you know, uh counting for. Uh even with the snow, but mm-hmm. KC guy, this is my second time going, Derek's first time going. Okay. Which barbecue spots mm. do we absolutely have don't don't waste any time trying this place. We just need the controversial opinion of where we need to go one-stop shop you know, NKC. All right, here, this is the million dollar. This question gets you in more trouble than you could say anything <laughs> negative about Patrick Mahomes and people will be like, all right, whatever. You say something negative about KC City Barbecue, people are going to be upset. Um, the question I have is it depends if you like the molasses, sugary-based sauces, or if you're more like Carolina style, like the mustard-based sauce, because there's two different like groups of barbecue places in Kansas City. And it's important to know the distinction. If you are, and I like the sweet, I like the uh, sweet sauce, the molasses based, that is Joe's, Jack Stack, or Q39. You will not go wrong with any either of those places. Um, Joe's is probably the most popular, I'd say, and those are probably fighting words. Um, Jack Stack, if you're going down to sit in a meal and you want a nice restaurant, you go to Jack Stack. If you're getting takeout, get Joe's, the original one. It's out of a gas station. It's yeah. unbelievable. That's where the Z-Man good. is, right? The Z-Man is at yeah, Joe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Q39 is like the new one that just came along like five, six years ago. And it was like, hey, you can't be a new guy in this area. Like, you can't do this. And they were so good <laughs> that it's like, all right, you guys are allowed to be in this discussion. The other side of it, if you like the Carolina style, it's Gates and Arthur Bryant's are the two that are really popular and well-known. I'd choose Gates over Arthur Bryant's personally, um, but I like the the molasses, the sugary-based sauces more. So... Um, best bet, go to one of each. I'd hit up Joe's and Gates 
and you'll be taken care of. Awesome. As you were talking, I'm literally typing and saving. <laughs> oh, my Google Maps has a great I want to go there feature. Uh, so I, I definitely use that. You, you know, we, we're going to close it out, but I forgot about one more thing. I'm going to give the Chiefs fans a little bit of crap here. All right. Tomahawk chop is ours in Tallahassee, not yours. Ooh. <laughs> Don't you forget that. Okay? It's ours. You, you got this it guy's us. got us coming to KC yeah. with a target yeah. on yeah. our back. Yeah, it's ours in Tallahassee. Shit, okay? You were going to get welcomed in now. Hey. I don't know. Hey. I don't and, know about that. And, but And not me just as a fan like, oh, yeah, I know Tallahassee's two hours away from Jacksonville, but, hey, I was born there. Okay, that, that's you don't where, call it the Tomahawk Chop from. anymore. It's just called yeah. the Chop because the chop. you're trying to be a little more PC about sure. it oh. uh, with not having to change the team name, which is a whole different bag of worms that we don't want to get yeah. into. But yeah, it's just called the Chop. Um, but yeah, those are probably fighting words too. They don't even like do it the same way that they used to back when like I was going to games growing up. Like it's a little different, but the atmosphere should be awesome. Make sure you wear something that's going to keep you dry as well as warm because it's going to be right along the borderline of freezing slash rain. So it could be kind of sleeting and that's the worst situation to be in. So if you're wearing clothes, make sure you can stay dry and stay warm, but get there early. Uh, it's a phenomenal place to watch a game and uh, walk through the tailgates. Chiefs fans in general are pretty nice. They'll probably invite you over, let you have some of their barbecue and uh, chat, chat Jags with you while you're walking through. All right, man. Very good. Well, um, BJ again uh, is the KC Sports Network. Uh, he does a phenomenal job. Hey, thanks for being on the show. Um, and as always, thank you to the to the host Blue Wire for connecting us. Uh, please go on and check him out. Where can they check you out on Twitter? Uh, it's at KC Sports Network. Can you find us there? I'm at BJ underscore KCSN. But yeah, we've got 38 hosts on our network. We cover the Chiefs, the Royals. We call cover all local colleges and, and professional teams in kansas city put out about 15 chief shows a week so we've got a lot of content coming up but yeah appreciate blue wire for hooking us up and I always like talking with people that know their teams better than we do you know kind of from the outside trying to figure out what these storylines are so all right very good very good well hey here's another one in the books we appreciate all the listeners all the voters all the five stars we really appreciate it and we'll see you guys in kansas city Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.